0: A certain trial has been captivating the American public and even the whole world in recent days. A large swath of the nation has been watching as the house managers of the U.S. House of Representatives, people like Adam Schiff, have been making the case for impeachment of the president. The president has had his own defense team. His lawyers have been arguing that the facts remain inadequate for anything near conviction or impeachment of the president. And all this is taking place, as you know, in the U.S. Senate chambers in the Capitol. The U.S. Senate functions in these unusual circumstances as the jury. So we have trial, prosecutors, defense team, jurors. And then there's this big question of witnesses and whether you can even have a trial without witnesses. And the judge's seat is occupied by the Chief Justice, John Roberts, of the U.S. Supreme Court. And perhaps all of this just brings to mind your high school civics and government class and what's supposed to happen when this unfolds and how our Constitution is supposed to work. We're in unusual times. And perhaps all of this reminds us, too, of the many complexities of life. Partisan politics can become so powerful that we no longer see truth or goodness. Self-interest, selfishness is always a dangerous thing, making it so very difficult to live with integrity and justice. And We really need and depend on checks and balances that work well, that help to counterbalance these things, partisan politics and self-interest. Otherwise, we find ourselves in a mess. A big mess. One commentator put it recently that there may be the acquittal of the president by the partisan jurors of the U.S. Senate, but the Senate verdict is not the only verdict That's going to be rendered in these days. The more important verdict comes from the jurors. In the court of public opinion. And where will all of these proceedings leave us? We don't know. What happens to our democratic republic? What happens to our sense of community? What happens to our integrity as a nation? We keep watching. We keep waiting. We keep Praying. We have an opportunity to think about another trial today. A trial that comes from the pages of Scripture. And it's not like the one playing out in the news. In fact, it's probably much more important. Because it's about God. And it's about our lives before God. And it's always really a trial a case about what it means to be God's people. It's a case about what it means to be faithful and live with fidelity. This is a trial that always applies to all of us, all of our lives, all the time. Not simply citizens of this great nation, but as people who belong to God. A trial. Our text today comes from the book of Micah, which is a small book in the Old Testament that was written about 2,700 years ago, the middle of the 8th century before Christ. Micah is this little book with an enduring message that far exceeds its limited historical or social or cultural context. A broad calling for our lives. Micah, for instance, states that all worship of God is false unless it incorporates a zealous commitment to social justice. Micah affirms that none of us just live our lives free to do whatever we want, free to take what we can, free to decide what we want to decide. No, Micah, the prophet, talks about an all-encompassing view of God and we live our lives always before God. How we worship and how we live have to go together. What we say and what we do are meant to line up. God blesses us abundantly and forever, but God always calls us to be a blessing a blessing in the world. God showers us with love and mercy, but absolutely judges us if we don't live with love and mercy. Micah wants us to get the rhythm of life in line with the rhythm of God. Rhythm is... A strong and regular and repeated pattern of movement or sound. Micah's goal always, the rhythm of our lives line up with the rhythm of God. Listen now to these words from Micah 6. Some of these words are going to be probably pretty familiar to some of you, but listen especially today to the tone. Hear what the Lord says. Rise, plead your case before the mountains and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, you mountains, the controversy of the Lord and you enduring foundations of the earth for the Lord has a controversy with his people and he will contend with Israel. O oh, my people, what have I done to you? In what have have I wearied you? Answer me, for I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery, and I sent before you Moses, Arian, and Miriam. O my people, remember now what King Balak of Moab devised and what Balaam son of Beor answered him and what happened at Chittim and Gilgal that you may know the saving acts of the Lord." With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before God with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? God has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice And to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. This is the word of the Lord. So, do you get the feel of this passage? The setting, the context? It's a trial. A trial. Plead your case, bring your witnesses to testify before the judge. It's a trial. And the year is sometime in the middle of the 8th century B.C. And those were fervent times. Israel had emerged across the previous 300 years as a strong nation in the region. Israel had a line of kings. People like Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah. Israel has a capital, Jerusalem. A ruling class, a working class. Israel had a vibrant religious scene and religious leaders. Israel had borders and business ventures and international contacts. And guess what? Partisan politics and self-interest were very much at play. This is how the book of Micah actually opens. Micah 1.1. 1, 1, the word of the Lord that came to Micah of Moresheth in the days of King Jothath, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah of Judah, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Micah, the prophet, has come to speak God's word to make a case against God's people to try to help them rediscover faithfulness and fidelity as God's people. Micah reminds them that God's blessings cover all of life. Micah reminds them God's presence always surrounds you. Micah reminds them God's intentions determine how you live in the world. And when Micah comes on the scene, there's lots and lots of room for improvement in what it means to live in faithfulness and fidelity as God's people in the world. So the chapters of Micah, one, two, three, four, five, they unfold all the case against the people. They name the violations against God's intentions. The people have created images and they have worshipped idols. The people have coveted fields that belong to other people and took them. The people have received abundant blessings from God only to want to steal them from others and oppress them. The people have claimed themselves as faithful only to Take from the vulnerable, namely women and children. In the midst of all this condemnation, Micah punctuates the words with words of hope. The Lord will intervene. The Lord will take the lame and make them a remnant. The Lord will bring in those who have been cast off and create a strong nation from them. All this is to assert, and this is important to remember today, Even if things look terrible and the people are acting terrible, God is still in charge. The Lord will redeem the people. It keeps coming through in a refrain. The Lord's plans can get all messed up, but God's plans cannot ever be thwarted. Seems like it's a good time to think about Micah in these days when we're worried about crises and confusion and uncertainty and chaos. A good day to think about this prophet whose words seem so timeless. Micah calls us to faithfulness and calls us to fidelity. All of life is accountable to God. It's about our lives and about our relationship to God. All of life related to God That's how we live. We're invited to think about the rhythms of our lives and discern whether they're linking up or not with the rhythms of God. Micah reminds us that God is a big God and all of life is encompassed in God's care and this big, awesome God always has the last word about everything. And when we get to verse 6 and chapter 6, the trial continues. Rise up and plead your case, people, for the Lord has a controversy with the people. You think that might apply in these days? You think? God says, I brought you up from the land of Egypt. And redeemed you from the house of slavery. This is just a reminder that God's care always surrounds us. The saving acts of the Lord are always at work. The Lord is making a case. the The people have failed. The people have fallen away from God's plans and intentions in living and serving. They're out of rhythm. Awkward, ugly. When we're out of rhythm. Gets awkward, unfortunate when we're out of rhythm, even dangerous when we're out of rhythm. And there are lots of rhythms and there are lots of movements that we can live by in the world. But as God's people, we're called to live as God's distinctive people. Worship God and serve God with life. There are lots of ways to live. Selfish. For personal gain, for particular power grabs, pleasing others, and more. God's people are called and expected to be distinctive. Worship God and live as God's people in the world, in the distinctive rhythms of God. We trust God. We serve in spreading God's light and God's justice. God's people are expected to live subject to God's care and abiding faithfulness, but always as God's hands and feet in the world, striving to love God and bring about justice that God intends everywhere. The rhythm of our lives intend to line up with the rhythm of God, which is always about hope, and possibility, and justice, and joy for everyone. And then we get to verse 6, 6. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself down on high? And Micah gives a simple answer. It's not about what you say. It's not about how you worship. It's not about what party you're in. It's not about what you wear. It's not about the color of your skin. It's not about the nation that you claim is home. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, to walk humbly with God? Rhythm. Does the rhythm of our life line up with the rhythm of God? Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with God. This is our constant calling, God's expectation for us. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with God. Now, doing justice means absolutely participating with God against the systems and the structures that thwart God's plans for the world. Being active, being engaged with our hearts, with our bodies, with our prayers, with our actions in God's reconciling and redeeming work in the world. It's a process. It's a journey. We may not ever see the end of it But it's our calling. Participate. Engage with your life. Doing justice in the world. It's what we do. Strive. Serve. Give. Go. For God. Loving kindness is how we do it. Be swift to love. Make haste to be kind. This is God's work. These are God's intentions. This is what we're about. Loving kindness to walk humbly, well that reminds us it's not finally about us, it's about God. It's not finally up to us, it's up to God, but we're participants in the journey. Not about us, not up to us, it includes us, humbly, serving. So we have to trust God. And we give and we serve. Share God's love. Share God's kindness. But with humility. We are humble enough to know that we don't have all the answers. We're humble enough to know that God has the last word. Do justice. Love kindness. Walk humbly with God. So we can't just live We strive to live in ways that align our lives with the rhythms of God. We keep working at it in all the areas that we might find in our lives, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our city, in our church, in our community, in all the places where we encounter other people and can become an agent of goodness and hope for God's plans. We cannot just live Go to work, raise our kids, do our jobs, breathe the air, take up space on the planet. We're to get our lives in rhythm with the rhythms of God. This is what God expects. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with God. We cannot control much of what happens. We can't. Crises emerge. They can be national or international. It can be very, very personal. Crises emerge. They challenge us. They change us. We're simply called, expected to align our lives with the distinctive rhythm of God. We've been blessed. We're seeking always to be a blessing. We've been loved and cared for. We seek to love and serve in the world. We've been given life and eternal life through Christ our Lord. We seek to be agents of life and light in the world. This is our calling for justice, for joy, for everyone. This is what we do. What is the current rhythm of your life? Just think about that. What is the current rhythm of your life? And how does it align with the rhythm of God? It's so easy to get out of sync, out of rhythm. So easy. Things challenge us. Things come to us. Things keep us awake at night. People, crises, concerns, nation, planet, The rhythm of our life and the rhythm of God. They're meant to be lined up. This is Micah's mantra. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with God. That's the rhythm that we're called to lead for fidelity and faithfulness in life. This is the rhythm that gives wholeness and hope. This is the rhythm that applies to everything what we worry about, what we're struggling with, our parents, our children, our planet, our nation. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with God. We keep saying it to ourselves to stay on track. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with God. We keep saying it to each other to encourage each other. Do justice. Love kindness. Walk humbly with God. This is our rhythm. This is God's rhythm. Let us pray. O God of all the nations, may those who lead us see that justice is your blessing, that truth will set us free. Give all of us the courage to seek the nobler way so in this land we cherish, and the good will win the day. Amen.